With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Gold Nose Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory McCoy. Um, this is a podcast by a fan for fans. I am not a journalist. I am not a reporter. I am not an insider. I do not work for a website. 90% of my information is in my opinion. Other information comes from, from the internet. Um, today, 2019, uh, my uh, summary on recruiting will be coming Friday, December 20th. I like for all the commits to sign, and then I will give my opinion on uh, how this class um, went, how this recruiting class went. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, first, I wanted to start with my usual format, uh, breaking down one offensive player, one defensive player. Um, today, I wanted to start with Asante Samuel. And uh, routinely gets beat in zone or man coverage. Talks too much to opponents. Taunts opponents too much. If he can focus on his fundamentals, could involve could evolve into a decent corner. Has shown flashes of being a playmaker. He is not NFL ready, and I really couldn't find an NFL comparison to him. Um, I mean, if you watch the games on TV, man, this guy routinely is getting beat. And then when he gets beat, he, he's talking crap to the opponent. I, I just don't understand that. You know, um, he needs to work on his tackling. He needs to work on his ball skills. He has shown flashes of being um, a great cover guy, but it's very few and far between. In, you know, in between, um, you know, I, I already pretty much told you guys in previous episodes that our corners suck, but they have a potential. They have they have the potential to be good if they can focus and stop. You know, I mean, I just like I said, I don't understand. You get beat for a 50, 60 yard touchdown and you're talking smack. It just doesn't make any sense. But um Anyway, that's my opinion on Asante Samuel. Next guy is going to be Trey McKitty. Excellent NFL size. Great catching ability. Runs good routes. Pass blocking and run blocking needs work. Can't separate from defenders. Lacks high-end speed. Needs to get in peak physical condition to um, separate from defenders. I call it the Jerry Rice effect. Jerry Rice wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, but his conditioning <laughs> was, you know, damn near the greatest in the world. And that's why you see Jerry Rice running away from defenders the way he did. And Jerry Rice is the greatest route runner in the history of football. So if he can, if he can, you know, 
try to get to that level. He he can be a player. Um, my next um the the direction I wanted to go in next is talking to the fan base. Um, we as a fan base are very delusional. This is a rebuild. Clemson, Clemson is laughing at us right now. Um, I went to Walmart um uh, Monday. And I had on my Florida State, my go-to Florida State T-shirt, just picking up some stuff. And this guy he comes up to me, says, uh, "I love your Florida State shirt." And I said, "Well, thank you." So I haven't seen one of those in a while. And he had this little smirk on his face. And I said, "Well, who's your team?" He said, "Clemson." And then he goes, uh, "Good job not signing that offensive line recruit." And the quarterback the other day, good job turning them away. I just turned around and walked away, man. The dude was right. I had no defense. I mean, Clemson fans are keeping up, still keeping up with what we're doing. And they're they're mocking us. And if you don't believe it or not, Clemson is the standard right now. That's who we're chasing. And it's not really much of a chase. We're we're basically on the side of the road watching them lap us. <laughs> we getting lapped. We've been changing our tires for the last three years and they're lapping us. And uh that's that's where we are right now. And uh, um I think Norvell can get us back to elite status. I have confidence in the guy. Um but everything football is really simple to me. Okay, it's really simple to me. Everything begins and ends on the offensive and defensive lines or vice versa. But you have to start building, recruiting, um, um, training elite talent in those two areas. Okay, you give me a team with elite offensive and defensive line play, everything else going to fall into place. Um, historically, every champion, so at least in my lifetime, has had either one or the other or both. Historically. And, um, you know, for us to get back to where we want to be, that's what we got to do is play, have elite play on the offensive or defensive line, preferably I want both. Um, all right, so for this next topic, it's, it's one of the burning questions that I've had and for a very long time. Um, I felt I feel like the BCS produced better championship games, and the the comparison that I wanted to make, which championship game was better. USC versus Texas in 2006 or Florida State versus Auburn in 2014. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, man. The games were very similar in terms of how they were played. The read option wasn't as big as it is now. Vince Young was running it um, in that game, and he was doing an excellent job, man. I mean, I, I watched. They showed it on ESPN uh, Classic the other night, man. 
Vince Young, I didn't appreciate him back in 2006, but looking at it now, man, Vince Young was a beast in that game, man. Um, Then you go to FSU versus Auburn. I forget Auburn, Auburn's quarterback name, but he was killing Florida State with the uh, read option also. Matt Leiner had a tremendous game. He was a pocket passer. Uh, Jameis Winston, we already know he had a tremendous game. He was pretty much a pocket passer. The parallels of these two games are uncanny. Both were high scoring. Um, But you already know that. Um, It was NFL talent all over the field in both games. In the the USC-Texas game, you had two Heisman trophies Trophy winners in the back in the same backfield that night. Uh, Reggie Bush had one of the most iconic runs down the sideline in college football history. Kelvin Benjamin had one of the most iconic game-winning catches in college football history. Vince Young, game-winning run, um, scramble to win the game. Jameis Winston, game-winning throw to win the game. I know as a Florida State fan, I'm supposed to go with Florida State. But it's, it's really, really um, hard to pick that game uh, over uh, USC, Texas. I, I have to say a tie, man. Those those two games to me were the, are the greatest championship games that I have seen. And I'll throw Nebraska and Florida State in there from 1993. That was a phenomenal game, an actual championship game. I don't, I don't think any the, the 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 college football playoff hasn't lived up to anything like that thus far. I know it's only what five years old, but you, I would have thought that the college football playoff would have produced. Better games, but most of them have been blowouts. Now, I'll say this. Um, if LSU and Clemson wins and make it to the championship game, I think that's going to be an instant classic. I think you got two offenses that are just phenomenal. Um. Clemson has the better defense, but they haven't really played anybody. So we don't know how good their defense is once they start playing top talent. So we're going to find out a lot about Clemson in uh, coming weeks. But um, I give them their respect, man. I give them their respect. I think they're the best team in the country. But I think if they play LSU, it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, But I, I hope – that if LSU and Clemson make it to the championship, that it can be the kind of game that USC-Texas was in 06 and Florida State-Auburn in 2014. Um, Like I said, my recruiting summary will come on Friday when all the recruits are in, but just to give a brief little thing on it, We had 13 commits on our board at the time of this show. Um, most of them uh, did sign. Um, we won't know if these guys will be, you know, stars or successful from two, until two or three years from now. FSU has a long road 
to go to get back to the playoff. Maybe this class can be the foundation for that comeback. Manny Rogers, to me, is the only guy that can come in and have an immediate impact day one. He is a defensive tackle. Um, We need to uh, hit the grad transfer and JUCO uh, market to get us some players that can... Excuse me, that can come in here and make an immediate impact and get us back to respectability. Um, recruiting is an inexact, inexact science. We don't know what these guys are going to be two to three years from now. Um, all you can do is try to physically and mentally develop these guys to be competitive. And that's something that Florida State needs to work on is um Developing our guys in the weight room and mentally on the field. Um, you know, just watching our Sun Bowl preparation, the offensive line just looks marshmallow soft. You just don't look like a highly, um, you know, a competitive team from a conditioning standpoint. You know, you can just some offensive lines, you can just look at them and say, okay, these guys look the part. I don't know if they can play, but they look the part. We don't even look the part. Um, you know, they they said this uh, strength and conditioning guy Storms is pretty good. They haven't made it official who they're going to hire yet. I they, they Some people are saying the defensive coordinator was the most important hire. I disagree. I think the strength and conditioning guy is the most important hire because he spends more time with these guys than anybody on the staff. I don't know if you guys realize that or not. Your strength and conditioning coach spends more time with your players than anybody. So he, I mean... He's arguably the most important coach on the team. Um, the This is a two- to three-year rebuild. Um, and during that two- to three-year build, we have to see an arc. We have to see like a seven and five, eight and four season, then a nine and three, ten and two season, and then maybe – uh, 11 and 2, 12 and 1 season. That's the arc that we have to go on. We can't be going 5 and 7, 6 and 6, 6 and 6 like the last three years. So that's the arc that we have to be on. The, the distance between us and Clemson is getting longer and longer. I already told you, we, we, we're, we're still in the, uh, in the, uh, we still changing our tires and, and Clemson is lapping us. We still changing our tires, man. And, you know, for us to get back, it, it we, we have to hit the ground running. So that's going to conclude episode 18. I appreciate the tremendous support. Thank you for listening. This podcast is available on YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify Podcasts. Once again, thank you for your support. And go nose.